I don't I don't understand how these computer cords get so dirty. Like is someone while we're sleeping grabbing our cords and like scuffing them with their shoes? How do, how does a white cord get that dark and that scuffed up? Like I feel like did my boys take my Apple laptop charger outside? And get all the kids that live on our street to jump on the cord multiple times so that it looks like a train ran over it. Like who's like did did Steve Jobs go, okay, here's a thought. Just guys, listen to me. Let's make a cord that gets dirty. For the iPhone? No, no team. Let's only do this with the laptop charger. The iPhone, it's too sleek. It's too, you know, it's used every day. Let's let's make sure that the the entire laptop charger it's dusty dirty. What do you guys say? Somebody was in the back like, "Man, Steve, you think of everything. You always do." What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Leadership Lean In. We are about to, we're not doing this currently, but we're about to lean in and do the rock away. Lean in. We're about to lean into the subject of leadership just to get a little bit, just a little bit better. Uh, As promised, as always, just a touch of progress. We cannot promise perfection, but I can promise you that we're trying to get better Let me just say something, by the way. When it comes to getting better, make your commitment through the lens, through the filter of positivity. I can change. We can grow. We're going to develop. You got to first start with belief. And so we're going to jump in. We have a special episode today all the way from the Bel Air Presbyterian Church. We have none other than the great the illustrious, the world-renowned, the New York Times bestseller, Pastor Chris Hodges is on the cast with us today. Do they say cast? Does anybody call it a cast? On the cast with us today, on the pod, Pastor Chris Hodges was in town for our pastor's gathering. We hosted it. Uh, an unbelievable time. We had pastors from Denmark. We had pastors from France. From France. Talez-vous français? Si. Oui, oui. Un, deux, trois. Uh, we had him from Mexico. <laughs> what is that Mexico? Like you're confused right now. We had him from all over the place. It was a fantastic time, and I had a great conversation with, as we refer to him as PC. We had a great convo about leadership. So uh, we're gonna jump right in. As always, thank you to our sponsors, all 150 of you, and thank you to our um. Our nation, I got to call you that. It's you guys get it. We're leaners. We're a nation now. Um, Thank you to everybody that likes, subscribes, comments, and shares. It was pretty cool. We heard of people at the gathering uh, saying what's up to Nate Dog, saying what's up to April, May, June, July. And we just are grateful for everybody that's down on the leadership journey with us. You're in for a treat today. Let's jump right in to this week's episode with Pastor Chris Hodges. Such an honor. Thank you so much. Uh, by the way, for all the leaners out there, you just preached a sensational message. Thank you. I loved all five points. I took copious notes. 
And we are going to be releasing that session that was sensational. Thank you so much. And uh, thank, thank you for being here. Yeah, you're family to me, my, my friend. You know, uh, you're, at, you're at all of our student conferences and uh, just kind of part of, part of my tribe, you know. And I just so serving you today has been the joy of my life. It, it, I, I get to see you two times a year, minimum. <laughs> and that's in the mountains. Right. And then playing our annual round of golf in the summertime. Shout out to Greystone. Yes. <laughs> sweating. Yes, sweat. It's, I love it. Yeah. Four water bottles in. <laughs> yeah. It's, all, it's pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here. I want to talk uh, just, we're here today at the pastor's gathering, a lot of leaders in the room, and we're kind of in three different lanes. I wanted to just ask you a few questions about these three lanes. Okay. The first one being, what happens to a leader that, uh, for lack of a better way of saying it, goes dry? gets tired, has no, has no vitality, no strength, no juice. Um, you know, as leaders, we got to always find ways to get refreshed. What do you do to stay alive, to stay alert, to stay, to not let the, the well go dry? What, what, what are keys and disciplines you have? Yeah. So the answer probably will surprise you that it's, it's not just taking a break. So I've been on extended vacations and came back just as tired. Wow. Because resting your body without a rested mind or rested spirit, you'll come back just as tired. In fact, a lot of people go on vacations that come back more tired after the vacations because they were so busy. So I always say that rest is not necessarily physical, physically stopping, which we need to do, by mm. the way, but it's, it's the condition of your soul. What is the condition mm. of your soul? Mm. So I always ask myself, what, what feeds my soul? Wow. And it'll surprise you. It's two things. Um, uh, Chad, it's it's being around certain people refreshes yep. me. Yep. And I'm not even a sanguine people right. person type, but I have a few relationships mm. that if I spend time with them, it could be anywhere. So the place or the actual vacation or activity is not key. It's who's there that is key. Huge. And so I've been very intentional about my relationships mm. over 40 years of ministry. Mm. And, and when, so when people say, you know, what's been the best part of the journey other than seeing people saved and just the joy right. of serving my king, it's, it's my friends. Wow. And I'm not even sure I would still be in the game if it weren't for my friends. Wow. I mean, having dinner last night with you and Julia, we had a, a three hour dinner. Yeah. So it, we didn't need three hours to eat. But, <laughs> right, right. But we, but I left, I left the meal last night, just my soul was full. Mm. And, and so I, I, I am in very intentional about, mm. um, uh, about doing that. And I think, I think more leaders really need to wow. kind of refresh by um, those activities. The second is, as I go to places that inspire me. Wow. So a change of pace plus change of place mm. equals a change of perspective. So you, you change your pace, stop, stop working so hard. But have you thought about changing your place? Like, mm. so I try to go to at least two churches a year. So good. Regardless of the size. Wow. And just go get inspired. Go listen to the messages. Go look at how they do the lobbies. Go yeah. look at how they make coffee. Go look at how they minister to students. And I just mm. love new ideas and new ideas mm. in a new place. Wow. One conference at least a year that wow. I attend. Yep. And by the way, I'm not, I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, but <laughs> a lot of times you don't have leaders that, ha that have what I get to steward right. going to places no. publicly to learn anymore. And I, I think it's the most important thing that I do for refreshing yeah. that I'll go to somebody's conference. Absolutely. And I'm, I was looking around today. I was looking around like, okay, that's cool. That's awesome. And mm. just taking notes mm. in mind. And that mm. inspires me. And for right. some reason, that refreshes me. You know, I always say I've been to two Bible colleges. One was at the Bible college and the other one is travel. Right. 
you're traveling and getting out of your own little world and, and, and you come, I come back home every single time with new ideas and new fuel. Every time I come back home, I'm, I'm ready to go. So it works. I mean, that is yeah. a great way to be refreshed. Totally. I always say, too, that every church can teach you something. I don't care how yes. big or small. There's yes. something there that's a best practice. Yes. And for me, because I'm called to ministry, right. that, is in, that inspires me and refreshes me. What are signs for you that you go, I know I'm not refreshed. I know I'm the, the tank is really low. What are some key signs for you? Is it um, discipline start to kind of slack off? Is it uh, short few? Like, what are some th- signs for you to go, uh-oh, I got to deal with this right now. Otherwise, I know it'll slide. Yeah, so so in my emotions, it is definitely irritability. Yep. irritability. Yep. Like when I, when I become kind of short to people, you said it, that's I know I need a rest. Yep. And so, because uh, that's not really my nature right. um, to be that way. So I know when I'm short with people, okay, you're, yep. you're a little tired right now. Yep. But this one will shock you too. If I haven't heard, gotten a revelation word from God mm. in at least three days, something's wrong. Something's off. Because we serve a speaking God. So, so if, yes. if you're not hearing from God, it's not that he's not talking. It's because something is blocking our listening. Yep. So great. And it's, so you have to turn down the world's volume to hear the Lord's voice. Yeah. I say it. So you have to, so, cause he's a revelatory speaking. I mean, I mean, yeah. you know, the first verses of the Bible in the beginning, God made and the first thing God said, verse yep. three, you know, so he's a speaking God. Mm. Um, you know, my sheep know my voice, John yep. chapter 10. So when that stops, when I think, okay, I haven't gotten a cool revelation because mm. I read my Bible, I'm very disciplined. So that's going to happen even if I am tired. Right. Um, but if I'm reading my Bible and there's nothing <laughs> and there's no, wow, I've never seen that before or yep. wow, God, or writing something down, then I know so it, good. it's time to stop or refresh or to do one of those things that refreshes me. One of the things that changed for me was um, I was in Alabama at one of our friend's house. I read The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, John Mark Homer. Yeah. And his line that changed my life was looking at the Sabbath. He calls it Christmas Day once a week. Wow. And the light bulb went on. Christmas Day is my favorite day of the year. <laughs> do you know what we do at Christmas Day? We have cinnamon rolls that Julie makes. Let's go. We watch basketball all day. We lay around. I, you can't find me next to my phone. Exactly. I'm not next exactly. to my phone at all. Because nobody is, is next to theirs. Right. So there's nobody to text. or to, yeah. We so could good. watch movies. We could go on a walk. I mean, it's I'm, I'm the most free. Yeah. That line helped me realize how much I was doing it wrong. Right. I need Christmas Day. And it took me... Um, it took me almost 30 years of ministry, and, and it wasn't until about 12 years ago that I learned really sab- how to Sabbath for the first time mm. when I had a, a panic attack, literally, yep. that I thought was a heart attack, um, just from over-caffeining, over yep. uh, overwork, uh, over-traveling, all of mm. that. And it was a, it was a rude awakening, but I, I have literally changed since then wow. to be very, very faithful to the Sabbath. And in fact, in the session that I gave today, I, I mentioned the fact that you know, this it's on a list with mm. things like adultery and murder, <laughs> things we would never consider doing. Right. But we readily violate actually one that's higher up on the list than those two wow. to honor God with a day of rest. And so, and, and there's an art to doing that as well. You've got to mm. find out what the key to a great Sabbath is to make sure it happens. Yep. Like for me, it's not being on anything digital. Mm. If I just make that one decision and succeed with it that day, it's going to happen. I'm, right. I'm going to have a day of rest. So all of us need to be honest with ourselves yep. and just stop. But it's also in the Jewish mindset um, they consider it a mockery to God because it says, God, I have to have all seven days because 
I'm the reason why things get accomplished. Mm. Where in the Jewish culture, they believe that when you, when you stop and don't work, don't produce, it's kind of like the tithe. Yeah. It, when you say, I'm not going to produce, that actually the six days is going to produce more than the seven. That's exactly right. Just like, like we believe in, in the principle of the tithe, that, yeah. that we, can, we have more done with 90% wow. than the 100%. Well, the same is true with our work. So you stop and say, God, I'm not going to produce, which, by the way, wow. is another secret to making it successful, and that is stop producing. Yeah. So don't do anything that produces. So even my, my quiet time with the Lord on my Sabbath, I have to be careful that I don't let it turn into a, a sermon prep. That's time. exactly like, right. So I even have to discipline myself to not do that because you know, that's how that's what I do for work. You know, on on the Sabbath, I have to read my Bible in a different place. Ch- talking about changing right, places right. because if I am in my everyday place, I, I I'm just I'm going to produce. Because if you're a preacher, you're seeing three points in that passage. You're like, oh, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. I'm going to preach that. So I actually trying, go yeah. to a different place on that's Friday good. morning. That's so good. Because it's like, I just got to get out of my... So your Sabbath is on Friday. A Friday. Yeah. yeah, we take Fridays. And so, yeah, but I, I, I love that. And I love, you know, just the, the discipline, the trust that it takes to rest. Exactly. And it's a cheesy line, but I always think it, you ain't ready if you ain't rested. But the moment you're rested, it's, let's go. Exactly. The message that I brought here at your conference, by the way, which is a great conference, every pastor needs to come to it, but um, was I was talking about the priestly garment and the part that nobody could see of what the priest was wearing was this undergarment that was linen. And Ezekiel says that this linen garment, the priest had to wear it because the priest, watch this, was not, uh, was not able to, to minister with perspiration. So you couldn't be, <laughs> you couldn't overwork Wow. They want, and, and, the, and the principle is they wanted the priest rested, mm. refreshed, mm. Not, 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 you know, running up on stage or running up on a Sunday right. with a hectic week because you're not going to give your best to the people mm. if you're, you know, you're living the same hectic life as them. We have to come in with tanks filled, refreshed, so we so have good. something to give because it's such as I have give mm. I thee. Yep. Like you can't give what you don't have. And That's so right. we're emptying out all week long and never refreshed and there's nothing to give. It's, it's, it's being the starving baker. Exactly. It's like, I'm, I don't sell the product. I use the product. Exactly. 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 I want to talk about um, restoring broken things. You have a phenomenal college, a phenomenal church. Uh, when you see something that's broken, whether it be in your life, uh, whether it be on your team, how do you address, how do you start to address broken things to bring them back to restoration? Uh, a relationship, mm-hmm. fill in the blank. What are your thoughts on fixing stuff that's broken? So when you're broken, you're blind. Mm. So you don't, you, you, you're, you're probably going to be the last person to see the solution, wow. which means you have to involve outside eyes. So when it comes to broken people, mm. you're, you're, the, you're your own worst counselor. I tell marriages <laughs> this, like, don't counsel yourself right now. Because they'll, they'll come into you and say, well, I feel like we need to. Like, don't listen to you. Yeah. You're the broken, you're the broken one. Trust, trust another set of eyes wow. while you're broken. So anytime people or yourself, you feel like there's a brokenness or something that's just not working well, then I'm calling, I'm calling my overseers. I'm yep. calling my friends. I'm saying, hey, Talk Help to me. me. What do you see? What do you see? Be, be the, uh, look, show me the blind spot. Show me the, mm. something I don't see. And don't trust yourself in that. When it comes to broken systems, somewhat the same solution. If something in our organization is not right, well, if I'm not going to fix it because we created it. Like we, we thought it would work and it's not working. <laughs> yeah. So why ask us? 
So I've, I've, I've done, I've done this my whole ministry life, um, mm. Chad, and that is I'm going to go find someone else who does it better than us. Wow. I call it models and mentors. Mm. So every pastor, I believe you need proven models yep. and you need mentors who can speak in your life as you're building something that's not, and I say this in the, in the, in, in the fear of the Lord, but it's, it's not performing to its potential like right. you think it should. We're yeah. not, we're, these aren't businesses or companies, right, 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 right. but we all want them to be productive and they yeah. want, we want them for the glory of God. We want them to work well. Yep. And when it's not working at a level, you know, it should be working. Mm. Then we're going to go find somebody who does it better. I'll give you an example. Wow. Several years ago, we see a lot of people give their life to Jesus at our church a lot, but they weren't following the Lord in water baptism. Mm. It, we just couldn't get people to show up at baptism. Wow. Right? Like, and it, and it, in fact, it was, it was actually in a decline on a percentage. So it was a lot of people because, you know, it's a, yeah. it's a lot of people, but it, right. it actually was in decline. And so, and this is a classic example of what we will do when mm. we have something that's not working. I, I gathered about uh, 15 people of my lead staff, and I said I divided them in two groups. And one group did an internal audit, I call it. Wow. So you study us and tell me, did we change something? Did is I, it us? Yeah, did I stop? preaching about it? Are we announcing it differently? Did we move where baptisms take place? Great. Like, what did we change? And you have two weeks to, f- to find out what we did differently, internal audit. And then the other group, I said, now your job is to go find four or five churches mm. who do this way better than us, mm. and it's an external audit. You go mm. find out everything that makes the, what they do work. Wow. Okay. So they came wow. back. These two groups came back with, the internal audit people came back with 12 things we had done differently. Like we moved the time, we moved the place, we moved how we changed it. We, wow. Like we changed some things. They had 12 ideas that we should return to. The external group came with 20 things other churches do that we weren't doing. So we had 32 action items that we Jeez. could implement. We only uh, decided to hang our hat on about six or seven of them. We found the best seven out of the 32 went up 400% in the next season. And the point is, we couldn't see it. You know, couldn't. You're, you're, when you're in the forest, you can't see the trees. That's right. You know, it's like you're just in the middle of it. And that's why this, these other set of eyes really help. So that's a great way. To, yeah. And we do that for almost everything that's not performing at the level we know that it should. We, we were talking last night about, um, you know, health coaches, mental coaches, this idea, you, you know, you've got a mentor that's helping you with the college. Where did that start for you? Have you always been someone? Because the reason why I'm asking is I feel like a lot of leaders are threatened by another set of eyes. So every way of a man right. is right in his own eyes. So I was like, I'm, I'm doing great. And even in the areas I'm dysfunctional, I don't, I don't want you to be able to right. see that. How did you, because I think it's an important leadership truth. How did you get to a place, or, or were you born this way, where you're open to suggestions, open to other right. eyeballs. That, that that takes a humble person, in my opinion. Yeah, and and this this might for some think that this is some sort of false humility. It's the absolute truth. I've always actually had an inferiority complex, mm. so I, I was never real uh, the most the brightest guy in school. I was never the most popular, most talented. So I've always been, have looked for someone to give me something I knew I didn't have. The only place I ever felt confident in my whole life was in music. Wow. I was classically trained. I could play anything you could put in front of me at 13 years old. Yeah. Um, I mean, just. Wow. I had, I had 30 piano students at 15 years old. <laughs> so I was making that money. Yeah, that's, so that's money right there for a 15-year-old. But in every other area of my life, my speaking, my leading, I felt deficient. Wow. So my whole life has been marked by 
people who came to me and said, hey, I'm going to mentor you in this area. The first sermon I ever preached was when I was a youth pastor in Colorado Springs. Mm. And I was so nervous to have the first time I ever spoke on a Sunday morning, Mm. pastor on the front row, and he's taking notes. And I'm thinking, my God, look at it. He's getting blessed. Look, just look, look, look. He's, he's, I mean, he's just taking notes. He's getting blessed. Found out at lunch on Monday, it was uh, two pages of everything I did wrong. And I sobbed at this lunch. I'm like, I guess I'm not. I'm not good. cut out. I can't do this. And he, and, he, and he says, well, no, no, you're preaching next Sunday. I said, no, I'm not. He goes, oh, yes, you are. Wow. And we're going to fix this, 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 and this. And I've had that my whole life. So now, honestly, Chad, I welcome it. So good. I always believe somebody can help me get yes. a little bit further. And so, like you said, with regards to our college, we are building what we hope to be a world-class leadership, ministry leadership academy, uh, university. But I know, what, I know what I don't know. Wow. So I went and found someone who does it at a very high level. Mm. The president of High Point University is mentoring me right now. We're actually in a formal mm. contract. Uh, to, to where we where we pay him to teach us enrollment and mm. and and marketing and the financial structures that make a college like that sustainable and professors and curriculum and man we're learning so much mm. but to think I could find that all on my own is I, I think it's yeah I don't think it's wise so I right. encourage everybody everybody so needs to have somebody speaking into your life speaking yes. into your mental health speaking yes. into, like it's okay man just I I think one of the you know. One of the areas most leaders need the most help with, in my opinion, is something that comes naturally to you. But the older I get, the more I am astounded by the ignorance or the, just the lack of knowledge in this area is money. Yeah. If you're going to invite somebody to help you, I mean, yeah, grow the business, you know, let's get a, become a better talker. Let's, you know, have better systems. But I think we need a lot of people to help us with finances. Absolutely. I, I mean, you were blessed with a father that helped you with right. money and to understand it and how it works. But the older I get, the more I'm understanding. Nobody sat anyone down when they were younger. Think about it. It's not in the education system. That's exactly So you're right. set up to fail you. Set up to fail right away. But no one sat anyone down and said, this is the difference between a liability and an asset. This is how you make a budget. This is how you invest. So, you know, I, I think for every leader, we have to identify the areas of our life Absolutely. that are broken, not operating at its optimum level, and bring somebody in to help us and the co- good news achieve. Is, and the good, good news is the church is, looks completely different from when, when we first started in ministry. <laughs> Back then, if they had a, they, they knew something they didn't share with anybody. They, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they yeah. liked having that kind of the corner of the market there. They're, the church is so collaborative today. Yeah. And then there are so many, those that are involved in ministry coaching, and they all carry a different expertise. I mean, we do that with Grow Leader. We, we have, a, we're not good at everything, but we have a few areas. Yes. Like, bro, we can help we you. We can help you. Go find that person. Wow. And, and you're right. The money happens to be one of those areas. I, mm. I did grow up in a, culture with both my dad and my pastor were the best in the world at it. My dad was an auditor, actually was an accounting major for a a season, but I've I've had a checking account since I was like eight years old. Wow. I'll never forget my dad laying on my bed said, Hey, we're going to start saving some money. We're going to, yeah, we're going to have a checking account. You're going to learn how to manage this, you know, and I've had a job since I was 12. I've never not worked since I was 12 years old. Huge. And it wasn't because my, my parents didn't, um, didn't have the money. They just wanted me, they wanted to teach Learn. me the ethic. Right. But even when we went on vacation, dad would give all of us, there's th- three kids. I'm the middle of three. He would give us our spending money. And he said, look, don't, don't ask me if, if you can have an ice cream or a t-shirt. If you have money, go get it. Go get it. 
He said, now, if we're all doing it, I'll pay for it. But if you ever want something we're not all doing, go look in your envelope. If, if it's there, help yourself. But if it's not, then you're out, you're out of money. Yeah. And he was teaching me budgeting. Wow. You know, I was, I, I was, I was tithing before I got saved. <laughs> I mean, it's like all these principles. Wow. Yeah, so these are important, and we do need to have Somebody coaches, teach us. Yeah. Coaches in the area where you feel like, yeah. man, I'm not really, really great at this. Don't, don't, be, don't let pride keep you from it's learning. Pride. Yeah. Last thing I want to talk about is the idea of being reconnected, which really is just the idea of relationship. And part of the struggle for a lot of leaders is that lie. It's a lonely at the top. I always think it's as lonely as you want it to be. Right. You know, he who wants friends, I, I, I hate to break it to you, but it starts with you, buddy. You got to first be a friend. Talk to me about, because you've modeled for me so well the investment and the importance of relationship. How important is it for a leader to have great relationships? Yeah, you, you hit it on the head that the one thing that I've noticed is, is they're waiting on someone to come to them. Yep. And so you have to look out into the vast array of relationships and tribes. Yep. Pick one. Go serve it. Yes. Give to it. Attend it. Yes. So I, I did this long before it ever came back to us. I'm, mm. I'm so rich in relationships today. Mm. But uh, John Maxwell is a classic example. He's, he's a dear friend. Like we vacation together. We're very close. He's like a father to me mm. uh, or a big brother. But the first time I went to a, uh, one of his conferences and I knew I wanted to be in his world, yeah. he blew me off. He didn't even give me the time of day. I'm like, that did not deter me. It made me actually more sure that I wanted to get connected there. Wow. And so I just started showing up at everything, started investing in what he was doing to train leaders around the world. Wow. Six years later, I was on his board of directors. Went from being blown off to a board of director. Wow. Okay. Well, only thing that happened was I just attended it, poured up. into it. And that's what, I, that's what I would encourage leaders to do. Mm. Like, just pick a group yeah. and go be the friend. Go yep. serve in it. Go give to it. Escalation yeah. 6, whatever you sow, you will reap. Go put some relational seed in the mm. ground. Mm. Because it, again, if I have 40 years of speaking here, it's, it's the part of my life that is the most enriched. Yeah. And I look back and say, sustained this thing called ministry. You said something today about uh, relationships on your heart. Yeah. Some need to be written there that aren't there. Some need to be taken away. So to me, I was very inspired by that of going, nothing affects, you know, your anointing like relationships. That's right. And I think it's always important for us, you know, a great question I try and ask myself is, who's with me right now? Right. And it's not like a loyalty, like who's, who's, who's with me? I always feel like that's who I'm called to invest into. Yeah. That's who that's that's who I'm called to serve. And so if you can look at relationships of not what I'm getting. Right. Because I think that's where a lot of leaders go wrong is like they serve me in this way, they serve me in this way, they do this for me. They do but if you look at your relationships at an outward, then I think it just goes so much better than being a taker. Exactly. You know, I love the way John John will always say, John Max will always say, look to add value. Right. You know, and it begins by seeing value in them. So find somebody you think, man, I, I just love them, I'm, and because I love them, I'm gonna, I'm gonna commit to that relationship, serve it, in, involve myself in it. What happens scripturally is the Bible says is that literally these names begin to identify you. We are the sum total of our relationships, both good and bad. Every one of us are huge, and you're not seeing life through the lens of as it is. You're seeing it through your heart. Wow. Okay, and, and that's why Paul prayed in Ephesians 1. He says, I pray that the, the eyes of your heart mm. get enlightened. Mm. So you have a, a heart that could be darkened yeah. by 
bad relationships, failed relationships, or no relationships. Yeah. That if you get those written on your heart, the right names written over your heart, you're defined by that. That's what the priests Jeez. in the Old Testament, they, they bore the names of the 12 tribes of Israel Jeez. and stood on the strength of that. And so we had this motto in the ark world. We say, just don't do ministry alone, yeah. period. Don't yeah. do it because it won't work. So good. Okay. Last two questions. Okay. Um, in regards to leadership, what's an encouraging thing that you see right now? And what's something that you would go, I would stay away from this kind of not discouraging because we don't want to get too negative, but what, what are you encouraged by? You see this in leaders. You go that I love that. I'm seeing that. And this is something that I would go, I would stay away from this one. I think the first drops of real revival are falling. Mm. I mean, it's been 50 years since we had a, a national awakening like the Jesus revolution. And I think we're in the first drops of that right now. Mm. It always comes in a time of confusion. Mm. So I think the world is more confused than they've ever been. This, I mm. call it the Babylon mentality. So ba Babylon, where Babel means sown in confusion. Mm. And that means everybody doesn't know what to think right now. So there's mm. cr crime is soaring, economy is soaring, confusion about you know sexual identity, all that. Everybody's like, okay, what's going on here? Mm. That's where God does his best work. Yes. He doesn't do his best work when everybody's self-satisfied, blessed, right, right, and prosperous. Right. Now, we all love that, but that's not where the gospel flourishes. So Jesus mm. said two dynamics are going to happen at the mm. same time. And that is Matthew 24. This world's going to lose its mind. I mean, you're going to have wars, rumors of wars, all this. He says, but also this gospel will be preached. Wow. That, those two dynamics happen at the same time. So, so, you, so you have to be, you have to, as a leader, learn to embrace mm. crisis mm. because God does his best work in crisis. Awesome. We don't like it. We don't want yeah. it. But if you hate it, then you can't be the answer in it. Right. But if you can embrace it and say, Lord, you, or you're allowing this, you're allowing us to basically get into the pig pen. Mm. Because life will put you in a pig pen. You follow your own way, like the prodigal. You, that's where you're ending up. Right. And when they end up there, that's when people think, I'm going to come to my senses and return to the Father. And I think we're in that right wow. now. So it's the best time. And so the, the warning then would be, um, don't be a part of the confusion. Mm. So this is the time for the church to actually have more clarity. Yep. This is who we are. That's right. We believe. That's right. We're not against things, but we are for this. That's and right. We need to... You know, and we have, and I call it having uh, grace and truth balanced. Wow! Jesus came into the world full of grace and full truth, of it. and so we're gonna we're gonna give people grace, but we're yeah. not gonna bow from the truth of God's word either. And you do that, I'm telling you, this is what the world needs right now. Pastor Chris, thank you so much for being here. That's always my honor. Love you. Love you too. <laughs>